Ukraine has been in turmoil with Russia since the 1920s, ever since Russian forces overtook Ukraine during a counterattack during the Ukrainian Revolution. The tension has been steadily increasing to a point of war when fighting broke out in late 2013 along the eastern border between Russian separatists and the Ukrainian government. Recently in Ukraine, there have been many years of unrest, both civil and political, with Russia because of many different issues. For instance, when Russia abruptly stopped providing Ukraine with natural gas. The European Union was informed of the issue and has stepped in and is attempting to settle the dispute. According to www.rferl.org, the European Union had this to say. As always, the Commission stands ready to facilitate such talks when there is a request from both sides. Vice President Sefcovic is going to get in touch today with both the Energy Minister of Ukraine and Russia to touch base on this. The decision to cut off Ukraine's natural gas supply was made because Russia and Ukraine had previous unsettled arguments, so Russia had decided to withhold the natural gas supply until the agreements had been made. The European Union was sent to make sure the agreement would be made and Ukraine would begin to receive their natural gas supply again. Otherwise, the impact for Ukraine could be long-term loss of power, which would force Ukraine to take action and make sure the agreements were met with Russia. Russia has been the aggressor in many of these situations recently. Russia has cut off the supply of natural gas to Ukraine and there has been a waging war along the eastern border of some parts of Ukraine between Russian-backed separatists and the Ukrainian government forces. The United States has attempted to step in and enact the Minsk Agreement, a 13-point agreement between numerous different countries, including Ukraine, Russia, France, and Germany, which would potentially stop the war between the two countries. But, according to the same article, www.rferl.org, Vladislav Surkov, a Russian politician, responded by saying, This is a balanced approach on which we have insisted. We will study it carefully and promptly give an answer. Then we will invite Kurt and his colleagues to a new meeting. This decision could potentially cease fighting between the two countries and could ultimately restore amicable relations. If the proposal is declined, more countries could become involved in the war and could end countless more lives. The decisions regarding the enactment of the Minsk Agreement is critical because Russian forces are being moved into position near the Ukrainian border, as stated in the quote from www.kyivpost.com reading the army's combat formations such as 3rd motorized rifle division or 114th motorized rifle division are deployed just between 45 and 60 miles 72 to 96 kilometers from ukraine to the northeastern direction according to the report the 20th army divisions are likely deployed for a possible rapid advance toward kyiv kharkiv or Luhansk. This shows that despite other countries' involvement, Russia is preparing for assault upon Ukraine if agreements cannot be made between the two countries. The war with Russia has meant that many immigrants have fled the war-torn country to live a safer life for themselves and their families, because more than 10,000 people have been killed within the past four years since the start of the war in 2013. Immigrants from Ukraine enrich the world by contributing to visual arts, science, and technology. A research chemist that went by George Kisiakorsky immigrated to the U.S. in 1925. He then became a researcher at Princeton University after he joined the faculty of Harvard University in 1930. 
He was the author of more than 200 superb articles on chemical kinetic gas phase reactions, molecular spectroscopy, and thermochemistry of organic compounds. In return, he received many rewards, including the U.S. President's Medal of Merit in 1946, the Exceptional Service Award of the U.S. Air Force in 1957, the National Medal of Sciences from the President in 1965. Edward Kozak specialized in visual arts and was born January 26, 1902 in Hivu, Ukraine. He studied at the Art Academy of Lviv, and having doing so, he immigrated to the U.S. He became a citizen in 1956, and he participated in an exhibition across the United States, Canada, and Europe. Uh, he has also illustrated a number of books, and from 1951 to 1954, he performed with uh, WWJ-TV in Detroit. In 1950, he established his own painting studios in Detroit and Warren, Michigan. For his valuable efforts in educational films, he was awarded first prize by the American Teachers Association twice. An aeronautical engineer called Igor Sikorsky was born in Kiev in 1889, immigrated to the U.S., and formed the Sikorsky Aero Engineer Company in 1923. The first twin-engine plane, called the S-29, was built by this company and made uh, in the U.S., Sikorsky is also credited with designing the first helicopter called the VS-300. It, uh, it was first flown in 1939, and the S-40, the first uh, large American four-engine clipper, was built uh, by this company in 1931. Uh, Ukrainian-Americans have contributed to the United States in many ways. Their contributions are important because without them, we might not have the magnificent ideas we have today. If there were no Ukrainian-Americans, life without them might be hard. Historical context. Ukraine, the second largest country in Europe, is also one of the newest. Being born out of the dissolution of the Soviet Union in 1991, Ukraine has had a rocky start, especially now as they're at war with Russia over the Crimea territory. Ukraine is located in Eastern Europe below Belarus, west of Russia, and east of Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, and Moldova. Ukraine has a very diverse landscape. The western regions feature alpine-like sections of the Carpathian Mountains. Its coastline stretches across the Black Sea, where the climate is subtropical. But the majority of Ukraine consists of fertile plains and plateaus, also known as steppes. Once called the breadbasket of Europe, Ukraine was one of the largest exporters of grain in Europe during the duration of the Soviet Union but they are also a large producer of petroleum and natural gas. Religiously speaking, Ukraine is very secular. During the reign of the Soviet Union, religion was drastically looked down upon. As part of its anti-religious campaigns, the Soviets enacted a significant body of legislation that regulated and restricted religious practices. But even with that, 70% of Ukrainians identify as Orthodox Christians. Ukraine is an emerging free market. And like other post-Soviet era countries, economic growth fell immensely for 10 years. As of 2017, Ukraine has a GDP of $472 billion and is ranked the 65th country in GDP earnings. Ukraine has a staggeringly low unemployment rate of 1.5%, considering a country with over 44 million people living in it. And as of 2011, only 30.3% of people had access to the internet. And 56% of kids had access to preschool education. 
And according to the Francis Carson Cross, the Ukrainian schooling system is so poor and corrupt for its students, and now 80% of Ukrainians believe there is a serious corruption problem in their country that has been growing in the past two years. Many believe that officials aren't doing anything to solve it either. If the situation continues to worsen, countries around the world could be expecting another wave of Ukrainian immigration. Which leads us into our next topic. When did the most recent wave of Ukrainian immigration start? Since there's always a stream of immigrants from all around the world coming to the U.S., including Ukrainians, there hasn't really been a mass immigration since the end of World War II. After the Nazis were defeated in 1945, many people were displaced both in German and Soviet-occupied territories. Instead of going back to the Ukrainian territories, which were repressed by the Soviet Union, they moved to the United States. Originally, many moved to the U.S. for a short time until they deemed it safe to return. But many people didn't make it back in their lifetimes. Even after Stalin's death, successor Nikita Khrushchevsky was, in many Ukrainians' opinions, just as bad or even more nefarious than Stalin in the acts done to the Ukrainian people. With his involvement in the Great Purge and killing of the weak in Ukraine, it wasn't until the dissolution of the Soviet Union and the creation of the Ukrainian state did people move back. Until then, the 80,000 plus refugees who were sent to America had to make a living for themselves. They were mostly confined to large cities like New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, Detroit, and many others. When they arrived, they weren't treated as well in the eyes of the Irish, English, and Welsh as they were considered strike breakers. Ukrainians were also one of the first groups of people who were mass immigrated to the U.S. who didn't speak English. And not to their benefit, they grouped themselves up together into communities, which isolated them from the rest of America. But that didn't last long, as for their children picked up the language and customs quickly from schools and playing with American kids. Ukrainians weren't free of discrimination either. Many were called hunkies, having come from the Hungarian part of the Austrian Empire, or bohunks, which is a derivative for bohemians. And as of now, according to the U.S. Census, in 2006, there's a little over 960,000 Ukrainian Americans in the U.S., which represent only 0.33% of the United States citizens. And even if Ukrainian Americans only make up 0.33% Americans, they still are valued as United States citizens. Understanding these people's cultures, stories, and heritage can bring us together. It gives us a newfound respect for the hardships and perseverance these people overcame to immigrate here. And what better way to truly understand an immigrant's experience than by a personal story? Today, it's less frequent that we hear about an American dream coming true. Whether it be because of a lack of belief in its reality, or that it's just too hard to reach in the modern era, a lot of people just give up on it entirely. Unlike the unfortunate events that take place in the Book of Unknown Americans, the story we found depicts a Ukrainian immigrant who from nothing becomes a wealthy and prominent figure in his community. His name was Henry Hoskin, and he was born November 27, 1891, to the Russian Empire. Raised in the area now known as Ukraine, he grew up having to deal with intense discrimination from the Russian government because he was Jewish. Growing up, he despised them, and because of that, he didn't want any involvement in World War I. So when it arrived in 1914, after knowing he was going to have to serve by requirement, he left for America. When he made his journey, Henry had only the clothes on his back and the Cyrillic fonts so that he could hope he could be hired in the printing business. 
His original plan was to take the Trans-Siberian Railroad across Russia, but when that didn't work, he made his trip there alternatively. Hitchhiking and offering his services, Henry made his way across Siberia and as far as Harbin, China. There he met his relative, Antoinette Gabi, whose husband happened to be a French diplomat in the port town. Shocked at the clothing he was wearing, they bought him a new suit and forged fake documents to get him onto the ship to Kobe, Japan. His relatives had bought him a first-class ticket to San Francisco on the Shino Meru. He had said, in first class, everyone dressed for dinner very elegantly, and that he was embarrassed that he only had one suit. So to make sure it didn't get dirty, he strenuously washed it every single day until he got to San Francisco. Before arriving at Angel Island, Henry was named Aaron Hanoskin, before the inspectors renamed him Henry. The whole trip took around three months for him, and when he first arrived, he stopped and asked a police officer, where did the Jewish people live? When the officer told him Jews could live anywhere in the city, he thought San Francisco was so wonderful that he decided to stay there for the rest of his life. After working for some time, Henry met another printer named Albert J. Cohn. Together in 1919, they created the California Printing Company, which took off rapidly. They became so successful that they started printing all the phone books in San Francisco. Henry ran the company as chairman of the board until his death at age 93. Henry and Miriam raised their three children in San Francisco as well. Their eldest was their daughter, Cecilia, and their two younger sons, which were named David and Ernest. In 1931, on Richmond District on 25th Avenue, they built a beautiful new home that was around 4,500 square feet and was where their other children, David and Ernest, were born. It costed the family $8,000 to build in 1931, which in today's money is only around $119,000. Along with this business, Henry was a very prominent leader in the Jewish community and one of the founders of Congregation Beth Shalom at 14th Avenue in Clement, which is still active today. In 1960, during its centennial year, Henry served as president of the Bina Berith, which is the oldest Jewish service organization in the world. Henry passed away at the age of 94 in 1984, and Miriam Hoskin passed away in November of 1973. The Hoskins managed to grant themselves and their children a wonderful life. Though we'll never be able to experience their story besides them, we could still appreciate the amazing story that they had. Henry ultimately got what he came for and more. He transformed what would have been an impoverished life in the Russian Empire to becoming free from the discrimination and segregation of his past, the creation of his own successful business, and the raising of his family in a healthy environment. Ukrainians, along with many others, can offer us both good and bad experiences in addition to our country. This story shows and offers a great experience and also gives us an example of what bringing new people and their ideas to our country can offer. And their youngest son, Ernest, still remains active in the printing business today. Life was hard at first, as Henry didn't know anyone in the U.S. He first rented a room from a Russian family and went to work as a ship fitter. Not knowing any English on arrival, Henry was stuck knocking paint off boats for a living. Three to four months later, when Henry accumulated enough money, he bought his fiancée, Marina, a passage over to the United States. At age 19, she departed from Japan on the Persian Morale and sailed to San Francisco. She arrived at Angel Island on August 7, 1916, and she was listed under the name Marina Dobkin. After making it to San Francisco, she and Henry lived together for about four months and got married.